Hey, it's Dan Class of The Bitterest Pill. You're about to listen to a free release of an old premium pill episode, episode number 129, Shoots and Ladders. Uh, if you want to get this and all the premium pill uh, episodes from the first year of the pill, just go and order yourself Pillbox. The first year of the premium pill or Pillbox 2, the second year. Or uh, just become a premium pill subscriber. Wouldn't that be easier? I don't know. Anyway, enjoy this episode, 129. No, 120. Yes, 129. Shoots and ladders. You know I need you. You know I'm nothing without you. Know I'm. You know I'm nothing without you. You know you complete me. My daddy may now make an announcement. There's a fly in here. Hey, hey it's uh, Dan. It's Dan Class here at the, uh, you know, Studio G in my garage under the fly path, Los Angeles uh, International Airport. Dan Class, stay at home dad, uh, failed actor, all around shut in. Can you hear that thing? It is the size of a matchbook. And it's flying around, you know, usually it's just airplanes flying overhead. This thing is, I, it's literally, it's circling me. Can you hear that? In a second, you know, I'm going to do a brief introduction, a little intro, you know, say hi to you. And then I think I'm going to have to just absolutely kill this thing. Oh, there, oh, it's taunting me now. Did you see that? I wish you could have seen that. It kind of flew and kind of, it was, it was almost like I'm in a cartoon where it kind of looked, you know? That's unbelievable. I really think that I'm actually, like, this thing is playing head games with me. He'll be dead by tomorrow anyway. You know, they only live a day. Ha! Have a good day, Mr. Buzzy Buzzy. So listen, I, I you know, I, I got to tell you, I don't, I don't know that uh, I have to go pretty soon. Hudson has to go to the uh, dentist. Now... I'm recording this on a Thursday, and Thursday is about the least, uh, Thursday's the day of the week, lowest on Hudson's take me out of school early day uh, list. Hudson has, his, Hudson has his favorite day of school, it's Thursday, because he has science and art, and I think he might even have computer. There's some weird uh, educational trifecta that goes on on Thursdays for him. And then after school, uh, he's you know, starts back in tennis or whatever. But anyway, but, uh, you know, ironically, he, he's got some sort of dental uh, situation. I, and it's been so long. We've been putting it off for so long. The poor guy. Well, not the poor guy. It's no discomfort to him. But we've been putting it off so long because we didn't want to take him out of school on a Thursday. Things would come up. Oh, but today's the day we're going to do such and such. You know, I think he's had this cavity or cavity-like situation for nine months. And we just keep uh, putting it up, putting it off, putting it off. So today's the day we're going to go. So I got to leave here in a couple of minutes. Well, no, we got some time. We got time to talk. But um, you got to take him out of school and then drive up to uh, the Century City area. For those of you not familiar with, uh, as familiar with L.A., Century City is, uh, that's where Nakatomi Plaza is. 
You know, remember Nakatomi Plaza from uh, Die Hard? That's where that is, Century City. We're going a little north of there to see his doctor, his dentist, his certified pediatric dental. What? Oh, that fly. Did you hear that? Did you? I'm going to be very quiet. Can you hear that? All right. I got to I got to get armed. I have some papers here. And I'm just just, you know, I'm not going to go after it. I think we should just Oh, there he is though. I think I should just relax and we should chat, you know, and kind of get caught up. But if that thing comes within uh, rolled up papers reach, kaplow. I can't I can't I can't think I can't, I can't take my, my my mind off of it. All right, something really strange uh, happened yesterday. Well, first of all, let's back let's let's back up to uh, you know Saturday, Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, basically Saturday or Sunday. Uh, so we were going to have a family play date. Now, Princess Tyrade used to go to school with this friend of hers. Uh, named Lulu. And Lulu and her mom and her brother were going to come over Saturday or Sunday. It turned out to be Sunday. And the brother's about H's age and and Lulu is about Princess Tyrade's age. And so, and the mom was going to come over and we were all going to just hang out and talk and hang out and, you know, get some pizza and hang out and whatever. But of course, in, in anticipation of someone coming over, we do have to do quite a bit of straightening up. Because there's really no one in the family who is naturally inclined to be, how shall I say, neat. Now, we're not horribly slovenly. Slovenly? We're not filthy. Like, it's not a dirty house by any stretch of the imagination. I would eat off of just about any surface in the place, but, you know, there's stuff everywhere. Too many belongings. Not enough places for the belongings. We do something, then we get distracted by the next thing, the next thing. We always got 15 things on our minds, and so the place, you know. Well, one of the things that, the, one thing that I've been putting off for ages is cleaning the keyboard, the surface of my computer keyboard, because, uh, you know, I use that keyboard. Both of the kids use that keyboard. Every once in a while, Melissa uses that keyboard, and it's, it's getting a little grimy, to be certainly uh, frank with you. The keyboard was looking a little bit like a homeless person. And I couldn't find, um, it's one of those keyboards that's a little open. I couldn't find the spray air. One day at Costco, they had spray air, you know, air in a can. That's always a good thing to pay for, air in a can. But I got a bunch of it and I couldn't find it, I think, because it's buried in a box here in the garage. So, But I did want to wipe off the keys. Now, my instinct, my normal knee-jerk reaction, I always go and get those uh, Mr. Clean Miracle Sponge things. You know what I mean? There are these white foam things. You used to see them on infomercials. They'd wipe crayon marks off of walls with these white Mr. Clean Super Magic sponge-like things. Now, I may or may not have spoken to uh, a friend of mine who may or may not be a patent attorney for a company that may or may not be the manufacturer of these pads or some pads like them. I may or may not have have had this conversation with someone who may or may not be, right? But this, this you know, friend who may or may not be a patent attorney at a company that may or may not distribute a, a similar product once told me that they were originally manufactured as heat insulation for the space shuttle. 
or some such service not originally intended to scrub on your walls. Apparently someone just happened to, I don't know, you know, whether you're fixing the space shuttle and you're near a wall and there's some crayon on the wall and you wipe it with a piece of the, like, ah, you know, and then it works. And I'm like, hey, we got a new product. I, I don't know how that works. But I will tell you that, um, you know, they do work on certain surfaces, as long as you don't mind taking the first 15 or 16 layers of whatever off of that surface, they work like a charm. Well, I wanted to get the smudgy yuck off of my keyboard, so I went and very lightly dampened my Mr. Clean uh, Miracle Sponge or or some such product. I'm, a, I'm, a, it's, I'm not sure it was a Mr. Clean. You, you know, the, there's four or five different brands of this thing. I'm not saying that's back, but I just don't know if it was Mr. Clean. I don't want to give him all the uh, honor and glory of essentially destroying my computer keyboard. But I dampened said white sponge and I ran it on the keys. And my gosh, the, the grime just comes right off. Oh, it just comes off lickety split. And, uh, and then the keys stop working. I don't know why they stop working. But apparently they immediately will cease to function in their original uh, capacity as uh, implements of typing. Now, they still move. They still are visually functional in that you go click, 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 and it still goes click, click, click. You push on the A, and the A goes down. But uh, nothing happens on the screen. With A, with S, with D, with, uh, you know, J, G, H, you know, whatever. Basically wiped out three or four of the five rows of keys. Well, I start popping the keys off this thing. Pop, 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 pop. And I'm Q-tipping and I'm blowing and I'm squeegeeing. I'm doing whatever it has to do because maybe maybe some of the Mr. Clean sponge is underneath the key and I'm not being able to push. No, not, that's not it. That's not it because I completely clean it out and put the key back. Click, click, nothing. Take the key off. Put my little pencil in there very gently. Just the tip of the pencil down in the little squishy part. Cling, cling, like that. Nothing. No A, no A, no S, no D, no J, no G, no H, no M, no N, no O, no P, R, E, sure, but you know what? You can't really write much with just R and E and Q. So, luckily, out of some weird series of completely unimportant circumstances, I have a an eight-year-old keyboard mac usb keyboard a mere five feet from where i normally sit in the house my father got a new computer from uh, my brother-in-law or something and he maybe he had trouble getting the wireless thing to work and so he wanted to know if i had a keyboard so i got it out of uh you know my what you know what could easily become my macintosh uh you know repository slash museum I hook it up and it works. My eight-year-old tiny, you know, it, was, it came with my blue and white G3, right? Yes, the keys stick, but they work. You know why they work? Because back when I was cleaning the G3, I did not have a white shuttle spaceship insulating foam sponge. So 
the keyboard had actually outlived the usefulness of the CPU. Well, now here I am with the relatively new, incredibly loud, but relatively new Apple Tower and uh, the five to nine, uh, eight year old keyboard. So Papa's got to get a new keyboard, right? Okay. Well, see, you, you know, I, I keep doing these little video projects. We've got the uh, Puppet Show project. I'm bound and determined to do some sort of video stuff with the pill. That's constantly evolving. And every once in a while I get a little job here and there to, to shoot and shoot or cut or whatever. I do a little bit of video editing on the side. And I, I need to get better and faster at it. I'm, I'm proficient at it in theory, but I'm very slow at it. Right? So I was thinking of getting a special keyboard that had the Final Cut Pro uh, keys on it that would tell me, you know, you push the A to get to the arrow and push the space bar to make it play and press B for the razor blade, even though razor begins with R, it really must be B for blade. I only just now put that together, B for blade. Why didn't you just call it a blade then instead of a razor blade? Because it's not really a razor blade because it's a digital tool. So I start shopping around the internet, and I found, you know, I've got some options. There's the, the, there's the brand new, you know, Apple keyboard with uh, rubber overlay. That's about $100. Or for $100, I can get a keyboard exactly like my old one, but with the Final Cut Pro keys. Or maybe for $65, I can get this big black thing that actually looks, you know, kind of big and chunky, but actually kind of professional, too, in a weird sort of, you know, functional way. Blah, 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 blah. Well, it takes me a long time to make these kind of decisions, and especially because I don't really want to spend any money. So uh, what I did is I, I you know, I, on Twitter, I said, hey, um, does anybody know where I could print out like a little keyboard layout cheat sheet type of thing for Final Cut Pro? And I don't know how long went by, 20 minutes, half hour. I get this email from someone, and, and the email has a uh, an attachment or a link to an attachment or something. And it says, uh, you know, uh, here you go. So I figure, well, okay, this is uh, someone that follows me on Twitter. Maybe they're a listener, maybe not. I don't know. Not familiar with the name. Uh, that was awesome. So I write the guy back. Hey, thanks a lot. Wow, that thing's really full of information because it was everything. It was brutal. It actually needs to be deciphered by some sort of uh, Final Cut Pro expert. But anyway... It's pretty, it was a pretty awesome little info dump. So I wrote him back, hey, thank you very much. Dude, that's great. Uh, yeah, uh, salutations. And then, uh, you know, my man Caleb, he sent me something very similar, if not the same, and blah, 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 blah. But then, but then I realized a little later on that I, not only did the first guy send me uh, an email directly, but he also posted an email type comment thing through the website. Now, I don't remember if it was a comment or just you can kind of shoot me email through the website where you don't need the email address. Do you understand what I mean? Something like one of those two, but, but this one was slightly different. This one said something like, you know, you can borrow my hard copy if you want. I only live four doors away. You can borrow my hard copy if you want. I only live four doors away. 
Now, at first I read these words looking for some sort of second meaning. But it's very clear what they say. I live four doors away. I live four doors down. I'm four houses away from you. Whatever, whatever those actual words were, weren't as significant as the fact. What the heck is going on? Are worlds colliding? My mind has now been blown. I don't really know how to react to this whatsoever. Is this just some kind of strange neighbor that has somehow figured out he can stalk me on Twitter? Because I don't recognize the name. Listen, I thought I knew every neighbor. Oh, but no, I don't, do I? I don't know that guy. So you think you know every neighbor until you realize, well, I mean, I kind of recognize the guy that lives down that direction. I don't really know the guy that lives in that house on the corner. I don't even know who lives in that house over there. The one, you know, the one diagonal with the, that looks like it has a pool, but it doesn't really. So what's going on? Why, why does, why does a guy four houses down from me know that I'm using Twitter? Why is he sending me things with no explanation whatsoever? Just like here, here's an, here, you can borrow mine. Well, I got to, I, I got to write back, right? I've got, I've, Oh, uh, <laughs> what do you say to someone that claims to be four houses away? Dear friend, can you see me from where you're sitting? I am not going to hurt you. All right, I got to keep it light. I got to keep it light. As a matter of fact, and I got to figure out what the hell is going on hey neighbor four houses away really i'm trying not to let the tension in my voice come through in my writing that's wild how did you know where i live so what you follow me on twitter Wow! DK. See, I, I'm, I'm not... Uh, see, I don't, I don't assume that he listens to the podcast, not by any stretch of the imagination. That, that is not an assumption that I would ever make. Listen, I, I'm out in the world enough to know that most people don't listen to any podcasts. And of all the tiny, tiny percent of people that actually do, most of them have never heard of this show. They just haven't. Now, people say, but, but Dan, you see, people that do listen, people that do listen to the show, they make certain assumptions about the size of the world and uh, maybe the scope or, uh, of, uh, you know, who's listening to what or whatever. And people say to me, oh, well, Dan is doing this podcast for three and a half years now or however long it's been. Does that help you with your acting career? Do you ever, do you ever meet people on the street? They stop you or whatever. Do they do? No. What are you kidding? Are you serious? Nobody's listening to this. Absolutely not. I think the day that, that, the, that I shifted over to a premium show, even fewer. I think anyone that came to premium, that's who listens. I, got new, I don't think anyone else is ever listen, uh, listening again. I have this tiny handful. Of, that's it. That's it. 
So I don't know why, 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 why is this guy stalking me on Twitter? That is so weird. Maybe, maybe he knows my other neighbor who maybe probably knows about Twitter. Maybe it's, maybe the neighbor said, oh, this guy does a podcast. And maybe, maybe he saw the site and saw Twitter. Or maybe it just happens to be, why, why, it doesn't make any sense. So he writes back to my friend email. And he sends me another attachment or two. And he says, I've been listening to your show for about two years. And I knew you lived in Westchester. Because I've said that many times. That's what this part of town is called, Westchester. But you told a story about the SWAT team or something raiding the house and the lady who used to live in the corner, and then I knew exactly where you lived. And he sends me two pictures taken from his house of the SWAT team raiding the house on the corner. The house on the corner that I've told you about several times. The house on the corner that was purchased from the young couple by the very nice lady that worked at the airlines and then dropped dead and she uh, betrothed it to her uh, drug dealing son. And he has these great couple of great shots of the LAPD getting ready to just storm that place. Now, I don't know this guy, but I know of him. He's one of my neighbors. I remember when he remodeled. I remember when they did the front lawn. I drive by his house four, five, ten, twenty times a day. Completely unaware of the fact that for two of the seven or eight years that we've lived here, well, two of the four years that I've been doing these uh, idiotic recordings, He's actually been listening. Now, when I was a kid, I used to think that I—I I used to think that I wanted to be famous, and and that, you know, I didn't really shake that for a long time. I think I may have shaken it now because I don't care anymore. But I mean, you gotta. There's an element of you know you want to make your mark. Or you wouldn't do things like this in a public way. You wouldn't put yourself out in that way. But then suddenly knowing that the neighbor knows that much about me. I can understand why uh, some you know people that are in the public eye, when they're not in the public eye, hide. Like, okay, from 12 to 1, I'm in the public eye. And after that, I'm hiding. I'm in the basement, uh, curled up into a fetal position. It just, it just, it was weird. I've gotten over it. I mean, I think it's cool. I think it's very cool. It's kind of weird, though, because I'm very used to people I don't know who live somewhere else, maybe, writing me and telling me they listen to the show. I'm not used to guys down the street telling me that they listen to the show. That's just, it's just odd. Completely randomly coincidental. You know? I mean, I once, you know, I once met a guy who listened to the show, 
who does live, who also lives in Westchester. In fact, I wrote him an email. God, I hope he's okay. You know, dude, Dawson, if you're there, Earth to Dawson, come in, Dawson. I wrote him an email a couple of months ago, maybe six, ten months ago, actually, and, he, and I never heard back from him. I hope he's okay. Anyway, sorry I keep sniffing. My nose is stuffy or something. But anyway, isn't that freaky? Doesn't that kind of freak you out? See, maybe to you, this is no big deal. It, this changes. This this could potentially change everything. Because there's certain things that I honestly don't want to talk about, uh, you know, into the uh, program. Uh, because I know, you know, this brother-in-law might be listening or sister-in-law or, uh, you know, this friend or that friend. But now, now I have a neighbor right down the street. He's going to start to learn all my lies. All my lies and he's going to tell all... No, he's not. I don't care. <laughs> but it is weird. It's weird because I kind of I have been able to fool myself into thinking that this is a pretty closed circuit. And it is a closed circuit. When you think about it, it's very closed. But guess what? He's on the inside of the circuit. Down the street. Anyway, howdy, neighbor. Welcome to my consciousness. You are no longer anonymous. I know you're there. I can walk out. I can walk down the street right now and, and find out if you're home. No, no funny business. I know where your flowers are planted. I could, I, I could, I could rip them out at any time. So no monkey business. No blogging my address. That's all I need is people driving by here all day and night. Both both listeners. Both of my listeners could then find out where I live. The other two, I got about three. The other two listeners could find out where I live and come over and start taking pictures of my daughter. I don't need that. I'm not going to have to move now, am I? I wish I understood how this happens. You know, another week has gone by. Another week of feeling uh, incredibly busy, stressed out, you know, I mean, really just back to back, shoulder to shoulder stuff. Things going, I mean, I remember Monday. I remember Monday, distinct, distinctly remember Monday, like, oh, here we go. We got so much to do. The week goes by, shoulder to shoulder, nonstop. You know what? I got absolutely nothing done. How could, how could I be that busy, nonstop, feeling up? That's a very sweet week, and have absolutely nothing to show for it. It is absolutely amazing. Now, granted, I do spend an inordinate amount of time on, uh, you know, just general maintenance. Be it... Uh, you know, laundry, fixing of the food, clearing of the food. We've talked about that before. Every day. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, like Monday, you know, something happened Monday. I, you know, something happened Tuesday. They, they actually, though, this week they did take away the old dryer and then the next day somebody else came and brought back the new dryer. Now, you know about the dryer, right? We bought a new dryer. We had a 10-year-old dryer. No, more than that. Probably 15. 
It had been repaired a time or two, but uh, we decided to repair uh, to replace it instead of repair it. They brought the new one, and the new one sounded like a Cessna. A really malfunctioning, uh, you know, small aircraft was landing in our small, you know, three foot by five foot laundry area. And when I say three foot by five foot, I think I actually mean two foot by four foot. But the, 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 the you know, when you're doing laundry in a tiny house, you know, about a 40 foot uh, house, square feet. And there's a Cessna right outside the kitchen drying your clothes. It's just not, it's not working out. So they finally, uh, you know, the good people at Home Depot finally uh, had that carted away. Hopefully the refunding process will go smoothly. And then the other, you know, is toward me. Those brought the, uh, the new one. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. It has been my experience, and I'm only saying this out of experience. The GE that we bought, and I could look up the serial number. If you're thinking of buying a, a dryer, I, I, I beg you not to get the one we had. And if anyone from GE is listening to this and you're thinking, you know, we should, you know, you can't sue. In my opinion, it's a piece of crap. And I know I can say anything I want if I say in my opinion. In my opinion, or it has been my experience. Sorry. You don't want people to say bad things about your uh, dryers? Guess what? Do better. P-O-S. You know what that stands for? Piece of... Merd, doo-doo, caca, feces. Now, I did have to take Hudson to the uh, dentist this week. Uh, did I mention earlier that I had to do that? Yeah, well, we did that. That was, oh, that, oh, that was a blast. Oh, that was a blast because, um, I don't know if you don't, you know, maybe you don't have kids. Maybe this is going to be news to you. Kids don't like having their teeth drilled. Now, he goes to this fantasy land of a dentist's office where everyone's so nice and everything's perfectly clean and there's the big, tr like, the waiting area has this play tree, playhouse, uh, magic video uh, thing. You know, who knows? I don't know what it is. There's there's movies showing everywhere and games. There's video games to play. Some ATV, Nintendo, uh, Game Boy. You know, I don't know what it is. And then his absolutely fetching uh, dentist comes and, you know, gives him the, the pep talk. And they put some gas thing over his nose. They gas, Basically, they gas the kids. They power thing over their nose that has, uh, you know, happy air. You're just going to feel some happy, just breathe in the happy air and it'll just have all your anxieties will go away and everything and everything. Well, it's like, nah, -uh. listen, I have already decided that this is going to be torture and no matter what you say or do, no matter what gas you try to insert into my body, I am going to be tortured now by you. And we spent the last, uh, the, the, the following, uh, you know, half hour listening to him preemptively scream and say, ow. 
preemptively because he would scream and say, ow, before anything happened. Out of sheer anticipation of the pain and suffering that he was sure to endure, he would say, ah, well, what? What happened? I'm not even doing anything, but it's going to hurt. Son, they're, they're giving you Novocaine, son. They're just giving you Novocaine. Because the doctor keeps using kid words. He's like, oh, just, you know, breathe in the happy air. And I'm just going to make a pillow for your tooth and your face. It's just, it's going to go to sleep. And then the fairies are going to come and they're going to tickle your gums. And then you're going to get a prize. And I'm like, obviously, doctor, guess what? I don't know. Did you notice that this isn't working with my 45-year-old son? My son is a nine-year-old with a 45-year-old, uh, you know, curmudgeonly panicked mentality going. He's having a nervous breakdown. Son, they're trying to administer Novocaine. She's giving you a small dose of Novocaine. It is going to numb the gum and tooth area. She is then going to quickly and sure-handedly drill into your teeth. Son, your teeth have no nerve endings. You are not going to feel anything. You've chosen a movie. You're lying flat on your back with a video monitor four feet from the tip of your nose. Can't you just focus on Matthew Broderick as Inspector Gadget and get through this man? He's in an absolute panic. Absolute panic. Absolute panic. Ah! Okay. So I give him the Novocaine speech, and the doctor brings in the blind dog. Now, she has this blind dog. That's a very sweet dog. Molly, Holly, Jolly, I, you know. It's a tiny, little, sweaty, long-furred, you know, one of those dogs that a man would never have. One of those little dogs that, even if it wasn't blind, it kind of seems blind because the fur is always in the eyes, that kind of thing. Like, long, stringy, kind of oily brown black fur well molly holly jolly is blind basically then she's just like a breathing security blanket that they keep around the office and put in the laps of the kids now the good thing about it is because the dog is blind the child is immediately focused not on the pain or the perfo the, the supposed anticipation of pain the child is now focused on a blind dog falling off of their lap And the dog, you know, is trying to get comfortable. You know how sometimes dogs will walk in a circle to get comfortable, kind of kneading the area, kind of making a little bit. So she's basically walking around on my son's crotch, walking, you know, creating a bed area for her blind self. So she's walking and walking and he's panicking and panicking because he's going to feel pain or a dog fall Cracking skull sounds, Inspector Gadget, etc. So she moves this way, she moves that way, the blind dog. And, you know, Hudson's mouth at this point is propped open. He's like, he keeps having to converse. He's grabbing the doctor's hands whenever she's going to do something that he doesn't want. So I got to hold his hands. I basically should just strap the kid down and hit him with a hammer. 
clearly that it must be against the law because we were at the point where that would have been the next step. The hammer. But every once in a while, the dog will do something and he'll kind of giggle. And he starts going, What? So she kind of undoes this little uh, rubber blanket thing that she's shoved in his mouth. And he, he says, What part of the dog am I holding on to right now? Now, the dog's back is toward me. And I can't really see where his hands are. And the only thing in my mind is, oh, God, please, please, God. Based on the look on the dentist's face, please, please, God, let it be the dog's tail or foot. Let it let it be the abdomen. Please, an abdomen or a foot, the the. The collarbone, the shoulder blade, God, please, please, I beg you, let it be the chestal area, anything. Well, the doctor says, I don't know. Oh, God, please, please, hello, it's Dan. Listen, I really need this question to be about a foot. A foot, a foot would be really good. A foot, maybe a jawbone, anything. Well, so I have to now intervene. And I and I look and I've kind of put my hand on Hudson's wrist. And then I kind of, because I can't tell what's going on because I don't want to move the dog and have the dog, you know, onto the floor. So I'm, I'm kind of finger walking from Hudson's wrist, duh, 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 then kind of the fatty part, you know, where your thumb connects underneath up there. And I follow up to his thumb and his, it's the dog's, uh, you know, hind leg. You know, where the kind of hind leg kind of, you know, like a chicken wing. You know what I mean? They've got that big chicken wing part of their leg. It was just the chicken wing. Finally, given enough time, of course, the dentistry was over. I had to drive because I had because I had to drive. See, it was this was like hour eighteen of driving. Drive to get the daughter to school. Drive home. Drive to get Hudson from his school because we has to go to the dentist. Go to the dentist. Come home from the dentist. Go here and go there all the time. Get nothing done. And you know, time will tick, tick, tick away. It'll be March, you know, April fifteenth, uh, two thousand nine, and I will have made another nine dollars and forty six cents. And put 80,000 miles on Studio G, driving around to and from. Tomorrow should be interesting. Tomorrow, I'm going uh, to, uh, I'm going to have brunch with uh, my cousin Ronnie. Yeah, cousin Ronnie's in town. I don't remember. I think one of his other cousins... From the other side of the family, his mom's side of the family is getting married or having a baby shower or a divorce party. I don't know what's going on, but he's going to be in town for that. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to have brunch. I'm going to brunch, you see. <laughs> I'm going to have brunch with Cousin Ronnie and uh, some old 
friends of ours, uh, you know, Joe, Brody, Mark. The, it's the Mark from the Bosco stories. Stories. Mark. Did I mention Mark? I think I did. Mark Mark is the one that called me when Bosco uh, passed. So basically it'll be Cousin Ronnie, the restaurateur. Uh, jo, uh, you know, Brody and Joe, the uh, TV network TV producers. Mark, the published, uh, mm, I'm going to brunch with kind writer of, uh, you know, for magazines and uh, newspapers and me. The guy uh, who keeps a microphone in his garage. Uh -huh, great. Just great. Nah, it'll be fun. I, I haven't seen those guys in so long. I, I miss them. I do. I admit it. I was trying to think of a. Uh, I was trying to, trying to think of a, a cousin Ronnie story that I could tell you that I hadn't told you before. Because I got on this real kick of telling cousin Ronnie stories, and the only thing I can think of that I maybe didn't mention was, uh, you know, Ronnie and I were always trying to, you know, we were always chasing girls basically, and we got it in our heads. Uh, he lived in Westport, Connecticut, and he he had this idea that um, we would volunteer to be ushers at the Westport Playhouse, which is a very prestigious theater. Paul Newman maybe started it with his wife, Joanne Woodward, or something. They're always there. They're, they're some, some involved, but it's really like, you know, it's, there's Broadway, there's off-Broadway, and then kind of, you know, a lot of the Broadway people and the big off-Broadway people, they go up to Westport to either work things out or that's just part of what they do or whatever. It was, it's a very big, prestigious, nice theater. Well, he got it in his head that we should usher there um, and we should get these two girls that we knew, that he knew or something, to usher there. And so then somehow, and this made perfect sense at the time, at like 15 years old or however old we were, um, what would happen is we would usher and then we would make out with the girls. Now, honestly, how these two things went together, I, in retrospect, have no idea. I don't remember how... Um, how well we knew these girls or maybe he knew one of them very well and she had a friend but basically that was always kind of the mo was i would come into town and we would try to get danny uh hooked up with some chicky for the 10 seconds he would be in town and then uh, you know and that always worked swimmingly but for, for whatever reason ronnie's big idea was we'd go to the westport playhouse with these girls now maybe these girls always ushered i don't even remember maybe that was the plan the plan was that they usher, we'll go usher. Basically, we got a seat, a couple hundred people, and then stand in the back. That's your job, is to stand in the back. And I think Ronnie's idea was, well, we could stand in the back with these girls and make out with them. We could make out at the Westport Playhouse. And maybe we even didn't volunteer. Maybe we got paid for this. I don't know. Maybe that was the idea. Hey, let's try to get paid to make out with girls. Great plan. The problem is, um, see, I had, um, in a way, like I did have girls in our school that liked me, but I had very geographically specific female allure, right? I worked very hard locally to build a certain je ne sais quoi, it's a, cer a certain mystique. I had my hair, my long hair, it feathered. I had glasses that were kind of half shaded, you know, that gradient shade that, you know, 
guys that wanted to look cool or wanted to look stoned or not look stoned or whatever would get kind of a great edit, like a rose gradient that would go from rose to complete see-through in my big aviator frames, right? But it was very localized to Rochester. And then I, I would kind of take that show on the road and it would bomb in Westport. Always. It would always bomb in Westport because Westport is in Connecticut. Not in Rochester. Rochester was Kodak and Xerox and middle management, middle class, public schools, American cars. And it was long feathered hair and aviator glasses and, uh, you know, a down vest over a denim jacket. And Westport was polo shirts and slacks and penny loafers and debutante balls and trust funds. And those chicks didn't give a rat's ass about, about Ronnie's cousin from up in Rochester. But we would try, we would try, we would try, we, we would try, we would try, we would try. So the big plan this, this time was, listen, I know this girl, she's got a friend, we'll meet them first, you know, obviously, we'll meet them like, haha, we'll flirty, flirty, whatever, and then we'll, we'll arrange this whole thing at Westport Playhouse. We'll seat the people. We'll make out in the back. It's going to be awesome. You sure about this? Yes, Danny, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Seriously, yes. So we go to Westport Playhouse. You know, the big matinee show that we're going to see people. We see people. And we see the people. These people don't stop coming. It didn't look that big from the outside. We're seating and seating and seating and seating people. Now, I can't tell you what the show was. Hey, for all I know, Paul Newman was in the show. I have no idea. Because I was standing in the back with this girl. This Westport girl that I was going to make out with. This Westport girl, see, that was a friend of a chickie that Ronnie had been making out with or maybe was about to make out with. Maybe she went, you know. Because Ronnie was tall, good-looking, athletic guy, you know. He's got the personality. He's got the moves. He's got the little TR7. He's got the slacks and the polo shirts. He has a watch that didn't come from Avon. And I look over down the way, the other side. Kind of, you know, stage right in the darkness. And I see Ronnie. And the other girl making out. You know, they'd make out and they'd laugh and then they'd <laughs> kind of shush each other. It's like, all right. Ronnie knows what he's talking about. This plan is in full effect. Yeah, this is working just fine. We came to the Westport Playhouse. Check. Right on schedule. We sat the people. Check. Right on schedule. They're watching the play. The lights are down. It's nice and dark. Check. 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 Look over there. Ronnie is making out with his girl. Check. 
what am I doing? Well, I'm standing here and I look over at my girl and she is staring at the stage with her neck in the locked position and her hand curled into a fist and it is placed over her lips. And it does not move. Her neck does not move. Her eyes do not move. The fist. The fist does not move. For two hours. How is it that I cannot beat my kids at shoots and ladders? Now, listen, I'm a, I'm a grown man. I'm a middle-aged, old, balding, upset man who, I mean, really, honestly, listen, I got nothing. You know, in a way, I mean, sure, you think of me as a, you know, brilliant, genius, stud, dashing. You know, I may be short and bald, have a, kind of a pot belly, be angry, need to shave three, four times a day, right? Disgusting chest hair. Absolutely no physical condition whatsoever. But you also do kind of find me sexy, and I know that. And I know, I know. But really, except from being outrageously uh, magnetic to you, whether you're a guy or a girl, you being drawn to me by some weird, as if honestly, as if I have a gravitational pull, I know you're drawn to me. I know that. But beside, aside from that, I have nothing. Nothing except the fact that, you know, I can actually beat my kids at most sports and games because I'm an adult and they're children. Right? That's pretty much all I have is outrageous magnetism and I, I can dominate my children. Now, I've got to kind of cut back on dominating the children because I'm, I'm being kind of an a-hole. Because, you know, uh, I'm not father of the year. I, I really have no fuse. You know, some people are like, oh, he's got a short, I have no, there's no fuse. There's just a match stuck in the top of the dynamite and just, you know, you know, that's it. So, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm going to, I got to start doing yoga. I got to meditate. I got to get back on some sort of downers, antidepressants. I need serious medication and meditation. I need a mantra. I need some okra. I need Oprah. I don't know what I, I got to chill the F out. Okay. But, okay, so that's what I, I got. Magnetism, and I got to chill out, but I can't at least, right? I should be able to play football better than my kids. Okay, you know, baseball, ride a bike, do this, do that. I'm the dad. Why can't I beat them at shoots and ladders? You would think statistically, I would win eventually. I, I, I win at Candyland. Monopoly Junior, Animalopoly, that weird sort of half-assed way we play Clue. Sure, 
Shoots and ladders? No. Last place every time. We were just playing just now. Just now, no matter what I did. No matter what I did. No matter how far those kids had to slide down those chutes, they still were dominating me. I, it was all four of us. I was in last place. The whole, why? 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 What? What is that saying? It's not right. Yes, it's, you know, largely it's a game of chance and it's this and it's that. No, you know what? No. No. Statistically, we have surpassed chance. And now for some reason, it has just become clear that I cannot win at shoots and ladders. Now, I don't know if there's some kind of shoots and letters coach, maybe a website, shoots and letters for dummies. I got to, you know, I got to get some kind of competitive edge to bring myself up at least to normal shoots and ladders chance. Or I just have to refuse to play the game. Or I just have to refuse to play the game. Because it's, it's uh, you know what? It's getting a little creepy. Just a little bit creepy. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you know, I ha I now have a new voicemail number. I don't know what it is. You got to go to thebitterestpill.com. Uh, I'll put it in the show notes. You know, if you wanted, you could give me... Oh, no, wait, no, I actually do. For right now, you know, I mean, if you're... I'm recording this in uh, mid-April. Late-ish April. It's uh, 206-309-0130. But listen, if no one calls for the next month, I'm losing the thing. So if you're listening to this along from April, you know, don't bother. But yeah, 206-309-10... No, 0130. Oh, but uh, you know what? You should just go to thebitterspill.com, leave me a comment, whatever. Hey, now listen, here's the story. Coming up very soon, I'm going to have an affiliate program. Now, I know some of you are premium listeners. Some of you are not so premium listeners. You're still free listeners. doesn't matter which of those camps you fall in, you're a member of, whatever your story is, doesn't matter. Basically, I'm going to have an affiliate program, so if you promote the pill, the premium pill on your site... And people sign up from your site. You know, you, you could uh, make a little scratch. Particularly good for the young people who say they don't uh, have credit cards. They can't, but they want, but they can't, but they want, but they can't. You got a MySpace page, don't you, baby? Facebook. I'll give you a little code. You put it right on there. Tell your friends. You know what I'm saying? Your friends have credit cards. Your spoiled friends with the rich dads. They've got credit cards. You know it eats you alive, but this is how you could make use of those credit cards. Get your friends to sign up, and then you get some money out of it. That is brilliant. You know, you could maybe work your way through college. I don't know. I don't. Hey, listen, who am I to say? You could work your way through college pimping this show. I know it'd be fabulous for all of us, wouldn't it? 
so I'll keep you posted on that. I'm working very hard. I mean, it's you know, it's kind of set up, to tell you the truth. I just have to work out the explanation of it. Maybe I'll make a little video. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, for you it would be. I have to make the damn thing. Anyway, thanks for tuning in. Uh, you know, downloading, whatever. Tell a friend. This is The Bitter's Pill. Uh, I'm Dan Class. This is, you know, this is, this is it. This is it on a Saturday night. This is my exciting Saturday night. Is, um... Not that I, I mean, I don't mind talking to you, but it's not like you and I are together. I'm sitting here all by myself talking to you, you know what I mean? It's, it, you know. No, I'm really talking to you. I'm just talking to you. BF, BFF, best friends forever. It's just you and me, baby. I know, man. Come on. Listen, relax. All right. I thank you for downloading this. I really do. That's enough of the graciousness. You know I love you. You know I need you. You know I'm nothing without you. Know I'm you know I'm nothing without you. You know you complete me. Ah ah ah. You had me at a low. The Bitterest Pill is produced by Jacket Media. DeckitMedia.com, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.